Hey everyone, a quick note before our December podcast. Recently, Sister John Marion and I invested in some quality microphones. I hope you can hear and appreciate the improved audio quality. These were outside of our normal planned budget for this year, and I know that Christmas is a time of asks. You've been presented with the parish and also the school Christmas wish list. But if you appreciate the improved audio quality, and if you'd possibly like to see more podcasts being published by the parish, please consider donating just even a few dollars to help us offset these costs. Now, unfortunately, our microphones did not arrive for this podcast, so we apologize for the media auto quality one more time all right to the podcast god bless you welcome back to the petrine studios for our december prayer podcast this is blake baggard i'm joined once again by sister john marion today we are continuing our discussions on prayer by looking especially at looking thus far we've proposed that the first movement of prayer is beginning to acknowledge that jesus is first looking at us waiting for us to respond to the call he is already making to us So Sister John Marion, what is at the heart of beginning prayer by looking at the gaze of Jesus? Thank you, Blake. At the very beginning of prayer, all of the saints have talked about just putting yourself in the presence of the Lord. And the way that they over and over have asked us to do that is to just become aware of the Lord looking at you with love. And prayer is always a response to God's love. We we never initiate it because He has always drawn us to Himself before we even have the desire to pray. So Jesus's gaze draws us in just by the fact that he has desired us first. And his gaze is different from the gaze of other people because other people often can be afraid that they'll judge us, that they won't see us for who we are. But Jesus sees us differently. His his gaze is one in which he really sees us as we are, but he also loves us intimately. Sometimes I've had the fear that if someone really knew me as I was, that they wouldn't love me. But with Jesus, this is actually just the opposite. He knows us intimately, and we discover with surprise that he actually loves us intimately. And it's right there in that, that real relationship with Jesus begins. There's that phrase in scripture about how Jesus, looking at the young, rich young man, loved him. And that can be our starting place. It brings me to the question for you, Blake. How does this mindset play out in prayer? And can you give some examples of that? Yeah, of course. Prayer is our privileged conversation with the Lord. And, you know, conversations are both active and passive. We talk and then we listen. And so my mind turns to two examples to help illustrate the importance of beginning prayer with looking at the gaze of Jesus. Jesus' gaze encourages us to be with him. My thoughts turn to my work with my father. And we do a lot of projects together. When I was younger, when I'd always have to work on projects with my dad, I didn't always want to help him because the projects are doing something, doing something namely that I didn't want to do. I had to do this project, but as I've matured, I've really begun to see these opportunities just to be together. It doesn't matter what we're doing or whether the work's hard or easy. I really just cherish the opportunity to spend time together whether things are going well or going poorly. My dad's invitations to work, continual guidance and love have changed these projects from dreaded work to an opportunity to be together. Jesus does the same for us in prayer, continues to invite us, guides us and loves us to change prayer from just something that we're doing to something that is an opportunity to be together with him. And when we're with someone 
we love. Words aren't necessary. Because my dad and I have worked together so many times, there's unspoken communication between us. We can look, see, and hear something and think the same thing. Now, if I was working with someone else, there'd be a learning curve. We'd, there'd be much more talking and figuring things out between us. But in time, we would get to know each other better. So just using these human examples of working with my dad, when we come to love someone, it changes the activity of time being together from doing something to being with them. But then also, it helps you as you grow more intimate with them to just learn to enjoy the silence, be on the same page, and then go forth in mutual action together. So those are some examples. Sister John Marion, what are the main benefits of spending time with the gaze of Jesus beginning to pray? Wow, well, just your analogy, like being able to work with your dad in a silence of love, that just speaks to me as the first benefit of really being able to enter deeply into relationship with the Lord and a relationship that goes beyond words. It really changes prayer from being something that's like pre-planned or filled with holy words or holy thoughts to just being simple, just being with God. It shifts the need for me to like fill my prayer with things rather than just to receive from Him, like you were able to receive from your Father um, in those projects and those times. And another benefit that comes to mind too is that Jesus is not necessarily more present to us when we pray than any other time of the day. He is intensely present to us. Like He is our life breath. He's intimately close to us. But prayer kind of removes those distractions, those noises, those activities, to let us actually gaze on Him, just as He is gazing on us at every moment of our lives. And prayer helps us recognize Him, so that we can recognize that He is actually communicating with us at every moment of our lives. God speaks events. He speaks through people. He speaks through things that happen to us, through our joys, through sufferings, through sadness. Everything is a communication with Him. And prayer teaches us how to receive Him, how to perceive that He's there, and how to respond to Him, to live intimately with Him. And then, basically, we understand that He is our life breath. He is, he is everything to us. We start to be transformed into Him, like the vine and the branches, where we don't see ourselves as separate from Him. We are just part of Him. And prayer helps that transformation come about. And that, that transformation is this beautiful work of God. But there's lots of obstacles to that that I've experienced. I'm sure that you've experienced too, Blake. Would you kind of go into what are some difficulties that you've had to overcome just to be in the gaze of Jesus? Yeah, as I was praying over this question and thinking through some of the difficulties reflecting on them and what God has done to bring me to the other side. My mind turned to the words of St. John in his first letter. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I really appreciated thinking through this passage, praying with it, because it helps us see that the gaze of Jesus is the mirror of our renewed creation. And so it reveals to us what we will become. When we see Jesus, we see who we are to become, an image of the Father with Jesus. 
you know, for the longest time, I avoided the gaze of Jesus in my life because I was afraid he would ask me to do something, something that I probably didn't want to do. I put up defenses so I didn't have to look at him. I was afraid that he was going to ask me to be somebody I wasn't ready to be. I'd go to prayer and I'd pray and pray and pray for what seemed like forever. And then I'd look down and see it had only been five minutes. After so long of these experiences, I began to realize to just be open to Jesus. I had spent myself from that endless, just like, Lord, 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 let me tell you how things should be. And then after a while, the Lord continued to chip away at my heart. And that openness just led to being with him. The openness knowing that Jesus knew who I was allowed him to show me that he wanted for me what was good. And that then I was now humble enough it. The first line in this passage speaks that reality. St. John says, look, you are a child of God. The additions of so, we are, almost seem to suggest he anticipates our objection to that fact, so he reaffirms it. He wants us to know that being a child of God is not going to make us something that's not for our good. St. John continues, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The world and our fallen nature will try to distract us from the gaze of Jesus. St. John speaks of us being in the in-between time of the revealing of our full glory to be in Christ. If our prayer seems dry or distracted, we must continue to persevere. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, and you will receive, find, and the door will be opened to you. St. John's in this verse with the fact that when the Lord appears, we shall see him as he is. There's a Latin saying, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. As we pray, so we believe. So we live. The biggest growth in my own prayer has come from using up all the energy I thought was prayer, as the Lord led me to exhaust myself so he could just fill me. This is why the church gives us this phrase, our prayer with Jesus, looking at us, leads us to a life of looking with Jesus. If I not seem reasonable to you, or if you're skeptical, found it difficult to pray and found it dry and distracted, but with faith, he will show up as he is already there waiting for us. We can look to the Lord's predecessor, King David, in Psalm 27. So we'd like to just end this podcast with a short meditation. We're going to read Psalm 27 for you. And an invitation just to spin there as we hear King David say, with all this trouble going around him, but his movement is to say, seek the Lord always, look at his face. So let's begin in prayer. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? And those who do evil draw near to devour my flesh. It is they, my enemies and foes, who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart would not fear. Though war break out against me, even then would I trust. There is one thing I ask of the Lord. Only this do I seek, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to inquire at his temple. For there he keeps me safe in his shelter in the day of evil. He hides me under cover of his tent. He sets me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be raised above my foes who surround me, and I shall offer within his tent a sacrifice of joy. I will sing and make music for the Lord. O Lord, hear my voice when I call. Have mercy and answer me. Of you my heart has spoken. Seek his face. It is your face, O Lord, that I seek. Hide not your face from me. Dismiss not your servant in anger. 
you have been my help. Do not abandon or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Instruct me, Lord, in your way. On an even path lead me because of my enemies. Do not lead me to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe I shall see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, be stout-hearted, and wait for the Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you all. We'll see you next month. God bless you.